This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Big news being made about... uh, about what was happening behind the scenes with the Seattle Seahawks in an article that came out today in The Athletic uh, about Russell Wilson and his time here before he left to move on to the Denver Broncos to embark upon a disastrous season out there. And there's a lot of conversation about it. Russell's responded on Twitter, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out, if any any more comes of it. But an interesting read, if you guys uh, subscribe to The Athletic, it's a story written by guys we know here, Mike Sando, Jason Jenks, and uh, Kalen Kaler, I think is how you say the name. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them, but uh, Sando and Jenks do a great job. Yeah, so it's a lot. I'm not going to get into the whole article here, but... Basically, it talks about, you know, the fact that he and Pete were butting heads for a while and that he, uh, Russell, had essentially gone to ownership and wanted, uh, he was frustrated with, with what was happening with the offense and wanted to win more Super Bowls and thought they were getting in the way of it. So he wanted to move on from Pete Carroll and John Schneider. He wanted the organization to move on from them, at which point they did not and decided to trade Russell to the Denver Broncos. So that that's the the meat of it. The re, the rest of the story is about his time in in Denver and his you know how he interacted with his teammates and Hackett giving him way too much leeway and nobody could get on the same page. It sound the one takeaway in that aspect I I had his teammates seemed to like him and some were defending. He had an office which I thought was weird on the second floor, which they in the story talk about is up with like coaches and management, and the only time players go to the second floor is if they're being disciplined or cut. Well, I can tell you all about that second floor, man. And, and listen, and, you know, for me, it was it's pretty it's pretty kind of goes on the the side of personal to me, just because you know I've always said players play, coaches coach, owners own. That came from Cortez Kennedy. It's I'm sure been said for for years, but that's where Russ got himself in trouble, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you know, to get back to to what you were talking about, if I close my eyes, I can see the stairwell going up to the second level, and I think the the two times I went up there, one was to get chewed out by Greg Robinson, my defensive coordinator, for having the worst half of football ever, and then mm-hmm. the other time was uh, when I took my pay cut. I didn't take it or it was given from yeah. Mike Shanahan, who's a seventy five percent pay cut because I got hurt. And I'm like, yeah, no bleep, you get hurt playing this game. But yeah, so those were the two times I went up there. Russ had an office up there, you know, and so, you know, <laughs> I just he just blew it. You know, he he got and this is Brock Heward wrote something last year after the trade and said, you know, was asking what and he did it anonymously, but I'll just tell you what I said. Um you know, what What happened to Russell Wilson? I just said he got too big for his britches, mm-hmm. you know, and he just he just did. I mean, at the end of the at the end of the story, they talk about how he fired his publicist. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, not only does he have people in the building, his own office upstairs, he's got, you know, his uh, performance team, which. Again, I'll say, first of all, Jake is Jake Heaps is one of them. It's kind of like a it's almost like a son to me. I, I love a brother, whatever. I love Jake Heaps. He's a great guy, but you know, he's part of it and bringing him into, 
you know, in, in there and, you know, He's having nutritionist. Him. Well, he had the nutritionist. He had all that. But, Physical you know, therapist. here's here's Jake, like breaking down the, the game plan and things like that. It's just odd. Yeah. It's, it's very different from what you see in the NFL. And really, for the most part, and you heard that Sean Payton, the new coach there, which is what Pete or I'm sorry, that's what Russell really wanted here in Seattle. In Seattle. He wanted Pete gone and wanted Sean Payton in. Yeah. So, I mean. You know how do you how do you square that uh, if if you're a, a Russell Wilson fan, which I am. I mean, mm-hmm. when he comes back, he could probably play another eight to ten years. But if he comes back here, and you know, it's five years after he's retired, and you know, he's the one quarterback that's taken us to a Super Bowl championship. What do you? I mean, with this story, I mean, maybe the whole thing works out, or it just all of a sudden goes away. But I always think about those moments because this is pretty, pretty despicable, you know. As far as like, you know, trying to get the coach and the GM fired, and you know, who do you think you are? I mean, I know he's a great quarterback, but I just think again, Russ. I don't think I think he got in over his head. I think a lot of it was Mark Rogers. I mean, for him to have a publicist, you're a football player, man. You're a football player. You should be down. First of all, there was one of the coaches that was talking about how he said uh, he has an open door policy up in his office. That yeah, was on I told the, the players that. Yeah, and one of the coaches was like, uh, your open door policy should be you sitting in front of your locker. Yeah, that's <laughs> a weird, that's just a tone deaf, lack of self-awareness yes. kind of statement. Because I, I could totally see him thinking, hey, man, I'm... D- I'm saying the right thing here. You guys, you want to come in? Come on, hang out, whatever. You know, he thinks he's being one of the guys. Like, uh, you know, I'm not special. Come in whenever you want. Yeah. I have an open door policy. Automatically, he sounds like your management. You can come to me whenever you've got a problem. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk it out. You know what I mean? It just sounded just completely tone deaf and yeah. obviously was not received the way I'm guessing he meant it. Well, and, and the other thing is, like you said, uh, it's not like he got a whole bunch of crap from his teammates. So, I mean, that would be the part where you would really think, okay, I mean, because Russ is a good guy. He's a good mm. person. But the way he handled that was just terrible, just awful. So, yeah, I mean, trying to get the – Danny O'Neill had a funny way of uh, um, explaining it. It was like he went there and wanted to get traded, and they're like, no. Um, yeah. Then I went. Uh, I want all these. Uh, I want this coach and that coach. No, yeah. uh, and then finally, you know, they finally wear down and like, okay, look, we have to, we have to trade him because he's not happy here. He doesn't want us here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's he was quite the little tyrant, and you know, I just think again, he he got too big for his britches. I didn't, I mean, some of the stuff, we talked to Brady Henderson, like he he was all about wanting to win championships and everything, but then there was also that MVP thing that he was really mm-hmm. talking about. And look, you can talk about it. I guess that's that's fine. It's a goal. Like, I always wanted to go to the Pro Bowl, but, you know, I didn't, it wasn't like something I was going to say or whatever. I kept it inside. I mean, why was he so obsessed with being the MVP? Yeah. And, you know, and I think that the reason why you, you think about that is because he wanted to throw he wanted to throw the ball more, and Pete didn't want that. So, you know, and that's that's where they they got on Pete. And you know, we all know that he used some radio hosts, you know, that uh, that were were talking about how Pete's too old, and 
you know, the Cal- herd. You say Colin Cowherd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Fine. he was he was wearing it. So I think, you know, I think he should. What Russell, and I've said this before, I had the best, most powerful agent possible, Marvin Demoff. I mean, he did John Elway and Dan Marino's contracts, but I was always going to instruct him, not the other way around. And I think mm. Mark Rogers got in Russell's head. I'm just making an excuse for Russ because I really don't see him being this you know, tyrant going up and saying, I want these two guys fired. Are you did kidding he, did me? Did he lose his way after uh, uh, um, Trevor Moad passed away? Everybody talked about how huge that guy yeah. was in his life. And then maybe, maybe, maybe he'd, he would have directed him. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the guy did for him. Everybody just yeah. talked about how important and crucial he was to what he did and his mentality. And you just wonder if he, you know, kind of went off the rails with his ego and his demands. And he didn't have that guy, that voice that, Maybe that was the one voice who could say, "Russ, you're doing it wrong. You're yeah. doing this wrong." I don't, right. I, I don't know. I'm speculating. I don't. I don't really know what that relationship was, other than hearing how important he was to him. Yeah, and I think his father, who was really important to to Russ, passed away right. at an early age. So, I mean, I don't know. I just uh, he really well, and I've said this before, Bob. Uh, you've heard me say it a million times. You, you get a bunch of money, and all of a sudden you get some ideas in your <laughs> head weird. that I can do anything. Well, you got yes men around you, and I'm not talking about Jake. I'm talking about you know just anybody that you're employing at that point. You know they're they're not going to tell you no. That's right. that's not unique to him. That's a that's an old story about actors and musicians and athletes and well. And the, the other know. thing too, like you have a publicist. What NFL player has a publicist? Yeah, that that part of it, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I guess he he changed his publicist, but you know what you do on the field, your stats, winning things like that. Now I'll say this: some of this, and in the article you read it too, Bob. The the thing about Aaron Rodgers, where he was like openly, you know, shutting down plays that the coach was drawn up in front of the whole team. Yes, basically saying, yeah, we're not we're so, not doing that. But uh, you know, so I guess I guess Green, I guess uh, Aaron Rodgers did it a little bit better than Russ did, but it's kind of the same thing. And you know, we've been talking crap about Aaron Rodgers for two or three years now. Yeah. And, you know, so now this comes out with Russ. I don't know. I, I, I'm just hoping that what happens is he gets humbled. Um, and then, you know, Sean Payton, he, you know, he said uh, that's foreign to us, referring to having people in the building for the player and yeah. things like that. So that's, that's not going right, to happen. Yeah, I think he's doing it the right way. Yeah. Just from the outside, it looks like he's coming and going, here's how it's going to go. Right. You're not going to dictate to me. I'm the coach. You play for me. Yeah. I'm calling the plays. I'm telling you how it's going to go in here. Yeah. And then Russ, you know, like, and I know with two weeks uh, to go in the season, they shut down the office upstairs and now he's back with the team and everything. And I think if he, you know, if I were him, I would, you know, get in front of the team when they finally get together and just say, you know, this is one where I would accept an apology, (laughs) Bob, if, you know, if he gets up and just says, look, this, this, I was wrong. Uh, I shouldn't have been meddling with that. And all of my focus is going to go into being the best player I can possibly be and us winning games. Because, you know, when he went there, you know, I was looking at, uh, and their defense wasn't like great, 
um, last year, but they were pretty good. Their defense was eighth in yards given up and passing yards. They were number three in points, mm-hmm. and you know they had a they had a decent run game. It was like a middle of the road type of run game. All they needed was a quarterback there, and you know their defense. They gave up sixteen, then nine. They gave up ten points to San Francisco. They beat the Niners. Um, you know, and lots of you know they ended up finishing at uh, number fourteen, but because they had a bunch of injuries, but they had a really good defense there, and then. The only thing is just add quarterback, right? And it just didn't work that way. So, yeah, I mean, I think there was too much going on. Like what you heard a lot from the teammates and then some of the coaches took a little bit more pointed shots was like, which are you? Are you the yeah. offensive coordinator? Are you the head coach? Or are you just the quarterback? It seemed more of the, of the I guess, the harsher statements came from coaches. The players, yeah. like some put their name on it, Jerry, Judy, and some others talking about, yeah, I didn't really think anything about the office. And they, and they were kind of joking around. They said he had a huge, giant whiteboard with all these motivational quotes up there. And right. that there was a TV there that was on NFL Network 24-7, and his whole world was about football. Yeah. They, they were like, you want to come in and talk about some plays? You want to talk about this? You want to go? And they they talk about him, I guess, Tuesdays are generally the day off. But he was calling meetings with the offense. He wanted to, you know, get everybody together on those two days and on Tuesdays. And I think they called it like the summit meeting or something where yeah, they, they would, did, yeah. you know, and some players really liked it and others are like, you know, what, what the hell is this? You know, so I, I guess I could look at it from a base level and go his his heart was in the right place. He's all football. He's not, you know, we got the other end of the spectrum where Kyler Murray is having study time written into his contract. So you got that extreme or you got this extreme where a guy who's just bleeding and eating football but his his ego and 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 sort of belief in i know what's best in every scenario got away and it it was allowed to hackett you know they talked about hackett's reasoning for allowing him to be that guy was his experience with rogers Mm -hmm. and they have a quote from him in there saying i don't want to go through that again you know know, so he got kind of scared straight by rogers and then he comes into this situation you know, maybe a little too soft in allowing Russell just to be exactly what he wanted to be and do what he wanted to do. And there were some players in there saying half of what we did came from Green Bay. The other half came from Seattle and nobody was on the same page. Right. You know, and that's that's on the coach. You know, if you're if they if that was truly how it's going, that everybody's sort of confused about what what are we running here? What are we doing? You know, and it's a coach going, well, he likes this from Seattle and I like this from Green Bay. And they had no identity. Where do you think that came from? Like, do you think the owner was stepping in and saying, hey, give this guy whatever he wants. We paid him a lot of money. Let's make well, him make happy. It, they put it on the GM kind of in this. They said yeah. that, that Russ went to the GM and talked to him about bringing in his people, my nutritionist, my quarterback coach, my massage therapist, well, whoever, and that the the coach talked to Hackett about it, and they agreed, okay, yeah. And then there's a player or another coach saying, I've never even seen that before. Yeah. So, well, and then the other thing, too, is, you know, and going back, and I think people here and the the sort of hatred and everything that you're going to get here is about how they screwed the Seahawks over because that was not the Seahawks' idea. You know, we heard from from John, he was saying, man, last year at this time, we were sitting here thinking Russ is going to be our quarterback. Well, yeah, they were talking about wanting to re-sign him. Yeah, he and Pete. an extension. Yeah, he and Pete were sitting there, you know, going, okay, we got that done. So they didn't they didn't really know all of that was, was going to go down. But, you know, that part of it is is pretty damning. I mean, and, you know, the the Seahawks, to their credit, they didn't say anything. They didn't say any. They weren't trying to take shots at Russ. The only the first time it came out to my as far as I'm aware, is when we got back from Germany, 
And Jody Allen was quoted saying, you know, we chose um, a culture over a player. I'm paraphrasing, but something Mm -hmm. in, you know, chose that over an individual player. And so that's where that came out. But, you know, for I mean, if you're Pete and John and you hear from the owner that your quarterback wants you fired. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, and especially, I mean. At that point, I guess they were, what, 9 of 12 of going to the playoffs, nine years uh, in the playoffs out of 12 years that they've been there. They've been pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they've been pretty damn good. So, yeah, all of a sudden, and this is where I'm like, okay, you get these huge contracts. All of a sudden, you start listening to the wrong people. I don't, and you know what? The professor, John Clayton, the late, great John Clayton, used to say all the time about Mark Rogers. He didn't like Mark Rogers. No, he um, did not. But you know, one, of the things, <laughs> one of the things that he said, though, he said he doesn't know anything about football. And I don't think he meant that like just the game. I think he meant the NFL and the mm. way things go. And I think that sounds a lot like John heard something like that that was like, okay, this is uh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. That's not how you go about it. Also, it'd be one thing if it was a crappy head coach and a GM who had struggled. This is this is a pretty good team here. So uh, yeah, that that part of it is is really disappointing. They're saying that that's not the way it went down. It's kind of a he said she said type of thing. But yeah, Russell sent out a tweet for those yeah. that aren't aware. Ten hours ago, it says I love Pete, and he was a father figure to me. And John believed in me and drafted me as well. I never wanted them fired. All uh, all any of us wanted was to win. I'll always have respect for them and love for Seattle is what he tweeted out. Uh, and then uh, his rep, his attorney, I guess, in this article. They, his publicist. It, no, it was a, a lawyer for Wilson, wrote a letter to The Athletic characterizing the assertions that Wilson called for Carol and Schneider's firing as, quote, entirely fabricated. Mm-hmm. So, all right, they're saying one thing, we're hearing another. Uh, who knows? I don't, I don't know. We weren't there. I don't know what happened. If he did that, that's as lame as it gets. I'm sorry. You go... You go and you're you're trying to go over their heads. You do that in any situation, not just football, in a workplace. If I went to our management and said, you got to get rid of Dave. I can't win with Dave here. I can't win with Thumb here. Or, you know, whether it's true or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just weak. You, You talk to the particulars, and I don't, maybe they had conversations. I don't know. But if you're doing that, that's so weaselly. That is just such a weasel move to go to cry to daddy, go cry to mommy. You know, and act one, maybe act one way to somebody's face, and then behind the scenes, you're trying to sabotage them. And, and again, I'm looking from the outside. I don't know what kind of conversations took place and what's what's true, what's not. But this paints a terrible picture. Um, the only saving grace I see in it is that you know they said they talked to like 15, you know, pl- current players. Uh, Athletic spoke to more than 15 Broncos players, coaches, and staffers. Uh, and by and large, nobody's really ripping him. They're ripping the. The coaches, some of the coaches that were weren't identified, had more of an issue. But all of his teammates, to this point in this article, sound like you know at at worst they thought, yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Or he'd say they said about play calls that he would, you know, he'd have like a motivational quote or something before the play call or right after the play call. You know, yeah, believe in it, believe in it, keep believing, and you know what? And that's kind of who he's always been. So that yeah. it sounds and, like, if anything, they thought he was a little odd and some of that. But for the most part, it sounds like he still has the locker room. I guess was yeah. my takeaway. But if you were, if you're go- trying to go behind the scenes and get your GM and your head coach fired, that that's just lame, man. Yeah. So and I, I don't. Again, I'm not trying to say that Russ, because you know, I didn't. I wasn't a big businessman. I mean, the first time I went to meet Marvin, I took a briefcase. 
with me. And I don't even know what you have saltines there was in there. probably crackers in there or Ritz something. Crackers. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I, I guess I wanted them to think that I, I knew what I was doing. I'm a business guy or whatever. I mean, I think I had some documents in there, whatever, but what, what a cheesy, stupid thing. I didn't know what I was doing. It'd be funny if you had blank know. sheets of paper yeah. in a manila <laughs> folder. <laughs> Uh, you know, so I just didn't know. I didn't know anything about business, and you know, I, I I don't know what I was thinking there. But you're you're a young man, and now all of a sudden, they're giving you a whole bunch of money, and then next thing you know, you're you're be, you become this uh, this icon, somebody who is not just a, a football player. And that's the thing, you know, when when players start talking about, well, I'm not just a football player. I'm like, right now, you are. Okay, you're a football player and don't, you know, and some people will say, well, you know, you got to think about your future and plan ahead. I'm like, no, I disagree with that. I think you should put every single thing that you have into just being a football player. So, Mm -hmm. again, you know, stay in your lane and that he violated that in probably the worst way in NFL history. If this is true, if this is, you know, maybe we haven't heard about other, you know, maybe Tom Brady is a real creep. Uh, I don't I don't get that from him. But like, you know, is he is he one of the guys? I mean, even John Elway, when I was there, you know, like I said, I've been in both of the buildings here. And, you know, I I I feel like I I got a pretty good handle on, you know, how you should behave that I've never seen or heard of anything like this before. But like I said, even even John Elway was a guy that would come out and have beers with the guys and just Mm -hmm. be. A football player and that's what we hear about with Tom Brady that he just he's a dude everybody likes him and yes he's he's making a lot of money and he's legendary and all that but you know you saw him at the member after they won the Super Bowl and he had to get help from one of his teammates because he was stumbling off the boat and you know he was partying <laughs> he's having a good time so you know he's just he's one of the dudes and you know I, I just didn't really get that from from Russ. Russ is just a different cat, right? Like always has been. Remember when he came when he came in and he was a, uh, I think it was in his I think it was his rookie year where he had uh, little notes for like Baldwin All and the, the receivers. They, and, that was kind of poorly received. Yeah, that didn't go over well. <laughs> so yeah, he's been kind of awkward in that way. But this one's pretty bad, man. And I think you know my advice would be to him is number one, like I said, just be a football player. But also the advice that you're getting, man. Just, you know, it needs to change because that's not the way to go about it. Yeah, you got to get the right people around you. You, yeah. you definitely do. And 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 I, I don't if that's his agent, then maybe he needs to. I know it's his buddy. He's done well by him. He's made a lot of money, but he probably could have made that money with Joe Schmagagi yeah, representing well, Joe him. Joe charges a different level of uh, return. No, I <laughs> well, don't, you I would don't, know. Yeah, I don't know. What, I think Bob is actually Joe Schmagagi. I, I am Joe Schmagagi. That's exactly right. <laughs> Look at his birth certificate. <laughs> Schmagagi, uh, Joe. You uh, still can't spell my name. Uh, coming up, are the Seahawks bidding against themselves when it comes to Geno Smith? We're going to get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up at 5 o'clock, our Seahawks alumni series continues with the great Kurt Warner. We were just looking at his stats during the break. He was ridiculous. He didn't have a long career, but boy, that's a lot of production. I'm looking forward to talking to Kurt Warner. He's one of the few guys I've never spoken with. So I, I 
That's going to be fun coming up at five o'clock. He's a real jerk. Yeah, he's really <laughs> great. Just uh, contentious, and no, he's like we'll the see, nicest guy in the world. Love Kurt. We'll see if we can keep him from hanging up on us. C Dub. Yeah, you know, and we were looking at uh, why he didn't win Rookie of the Year. Well. A guy named Dickerson. Eric Dickerson was yeah. rookie that well, year. Well, I was asking you. I was looking at his stats going, dude, he ran for almost 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns as a rookie, and he came in third? And then yeah. we looked it up and went, oh, yeah, Dickerson, 1,800 yards and I think 20 total touchdowns. And, and was Marino second, Dan Marino? Marino was second. That one I didn't quite get, but maybe it speaks to the time because that was early 80s. He threw for 2,200 yards. He had 20 touchdowns, six picks, which is nice. And it wasn't a full season. I think, what did we say, he played in 10 games or 11, something like that. So it yeah. wasn't a full year. But those numbers don't blow your skirt up, Dave. So yeah. It's, uh, well, yeah. He, so, he was a Pro Bowler's rookie year yeah. also. So. Yeah, so when Dickerson, he won. Uh, yeah, second in the voting was, was Marino, and then Kurt Warner was third for yeah. rookie of the year. But 1449, yeah. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Meanwhile, speaking of football, Seahawks and and everything going on with them, they've got to figure out their quarterback position, and they seem to want Geno back. He seems to want to come back. Can they find the right price? We'll see. But I'm curious. I wonder how much they sort of read the market or even just read the rumor mill or whispers about every quarterback that's out there, whether it's Derek Carr, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's somebody who's not technically available like Aaron Rodgers. How many we're hearing about? three, four, sometimes five different possible locations, and sometimes two or three teams that are legitimately interested in Carr or interested in Rodgers. I have not heard one peep about another team as it relates to Geno other than the people fearing that he would leave to Tampa because his quarterback coach there. There was never a rumor that, hey, Tampa's interested in him. Not until then. Yeah, not one time have I read – Heard a whisper behind the scenes from people. We nothing about another team that's. Hey, man, the Seahawks don't get this done. This is a team that's that's got interest. Is that? And it's still early. You know, technically, free agency has, it hasn't started. Um, he's not a free agent yet. But I found I found that kind of odd. And I'm wondering if 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 John and Pete kind of monitor that and go. You know, the market. Nobody's beating down the door yet for him. And maybe it'll happen. Maybe maybe as a you know the weeks go on, it'll it'll change. But to this point. You wonder if they're kind of bidding against themselves. If if Gino and I'm just throwing out a hypothetical, is saying I want forty million a year, and John and Peter looking behind the scenes, going, "Well, we're really your only option right now, and we're we're not going to pay you forty, and I'm pretty darn sure nobody else is going to pay you that much money either." So it feels like they're in a position where they're the only bidder as we sit right now. Yeah, which is a great position to be in, right? And yeah. you know, I think the the one thing the last time I checked, the Carolina Panthers don't have a quarterback. Um, so in Scott Fitter, Sam Darnold, yeah, Sam Darnold, Philip Walker and Matt Corral. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, and what we've talked about is that if you know a guy, I mean, and that's such a huge part of it. And that's where, you know, we just spent a half an hour talking about Russell Wilson and, you know, his personality and, you know, what are coaches going to, how do, is he, is he coachable? Is he a guy that, you know, you, you can work with, and I've not seen any interest anyway from or heard any interest from the Carolina Panthers. And I would think that would be the one place because you got a guy, Scott Fitter, who's ben the GM him. that's been here in the system with Gino and knows him, and yet we haven't heard anything from from him. I've, that's the first place I would think. Yeah, and you've not heard anything like that. So, and I've and I've read things about Carolina being interested in Jimmy G and Carr. Mm. 
I've heard those names. It doesn't mean, and the, again, we're reading what, you know, analysts and insiders, whether it's Schefter or anybody else, you know, Albert Breer, all these guys, they've got their sources and they, they talk about, hey, the rumor is this or this guy's saying that. I've got a source in this organization. So how true is it? I don't know. But just the idea that there's not even that rumor. There's not even a rumor attached to Gino right now about being anywhere else. Well, and if that continues and plays out that he really doesn't have any other bidders, I would think Gino, number one, would develop the hugest chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. possible. I get it, though. I understand why what you would look at him and go, okay, nine years as a backup. Well, the first couple he, he was starting, but it's been a while since he's – and then, you know, his 10th year he comes out and puts up these ridiculous numbers. The accuracy – I think we've kind of overlooked. He was number one in the NFL as far as accuracy goes. So, you know, his completion percentage. Um, So, yeah, I would think, number one, that it would put a big chip on his shoulder. But then also, if you're Geno, do you maybe want to sign like a one- or two-year deal and just go, look, nobody believes in me still after I had this year. Or to the point he thinks they should. Yeah. Maybe if if the rumor were he wanted – 20 million or 25 there might be all of a sudden there's three or four teams saying okay now right. i'm listening ben to your point nobody yeah. at the 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 level that he he thinks yeah which he thinks i think around 40 million dollars so oh my goodness yeah maybe he uh maybe he is just signs like a an early or i'm sorry a, a short contract for a year or two because it's like yeah they still don't believe in me all right i'm gonna show them again and do a prove it contract and then get out there and you know we'll see up nobody nobody really seems to trust what they saw out of gino last year Can you blame them i don't i don't and i understand if i'm gino i'm certainly going to take it personally but at the same time if i'm john schneider if i'm a gm if i'm scott fitter i'm i'm a gm in any other market i'm looking at it going yeah that was a good season but is that who he is? Because yesterday yeah. we talked about him like, man, I got these names that pop into my head when we talk about him. And it's Blake Bortles and it's Joe Flacco. And it's guys that have popped off with really big seasons and they capitalized on it financially. And for whatever reason, whether it was them or their surroundings, it didn't translate. It didn't continue. And you, you, I think there could be some well-warranted apprehension from the outside when it comes to him. I get it. It yeah. makes sense to me. Well, and also it's the the one position where you're most careful. Yeah. You know, if you if you get the wrong guy, and Danny O'Neill used to say this all the time. It's not having you know the a franchise quarterback. It's having the wrong franchise quarterback. The guy that you invest in, you put like three four years into, and you find out in year two, halfway through, or year three, he's not the guy we thought he was. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and especially that spot, man. You're you're committing so much money. I mean, here we are talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, coming out of the, coming out of the dark cave there, like the groundhog, and deciding whether he wants to make sixty million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I do, but I, you think the Packers are sitting over there, fingers crossed. Hopefully, he doesn't. I don't know what their salary cap it was going to be if he retires or how that's going to work. But he's got guaranteed money sitting on the table that I can imagine them behind the scenes going. If he says he's not coming back, I'm I'm, I'm at peace with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. it yeah, just... he, I think he, he's gotten a lot of negativity. Uh, I think the dark room thing is the final straw. <laughs> I think everybody was okay with the uh, ayahuasca 
You know, <laughs> I, I talked to a couple of people. I won't I won't name names, but prominent people that are like, yeah, I've heard. I mean, one of them said, look, I, I can't get myself to take it, but I've heard that it just clears your mind and you become almost like clairvoyant or something. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's but this dark room thing. And then he got kind of irked about it because they had the wrong date oh i don't do the dark room until february well who gives a crap you know yeah. i mean he was mad because they made it sound like he just came up with the idea and it's been on the books for four months or oh whatever. yeah great so yeah, yeah i mean that, that's uh that, that's a guy that well we talked about him in the prior segment that you know he's kind of kind of along the lines of what what russ ha- has done yeah you know, maybe do a, a more extreme level doing it in front of the entire team but i'll say this yeah. reluctantly Russ went out and fell on his face. Aaron Rodgers still went out and played well in the year they were talking about him doing that. He, sure. I think he won the MVP that year. So it was this wasn't just the past season. This was before, and he wins the MVP. But, so. yeah, I mean, I think it's very, with the point you bring up, very interesting that, well, and look, we don't know. Maybe there's teams behind the scenes that are just working really hard with, with Gino's people and, like, we love Gino, we want him here. But we just haven't heard any of that. Not a whisper. There hasn't been a lot of desire out there for for Gino to be their quarterback and I think it's the age part of it and then the other thing is like you said what what happened what was going on the last five six years why did it take so long yeah you know it's kind of like uh you know we talk about Paul Seawald Seawald comes in at age 30 as a you know as a bullpen pitcher up and comer finds himself yeah and you know that's that's maybe common in baseball but in the NFL you know what? What happened after year two, year three? I mean, that's that, yeah. that's the part that I think is holding people back. All right. Well, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he has emerged from his darkness retreat, and we're going to hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on Seven Ten. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial every afternoon at four forty-five with Wyman and Bob. Seahawks GM John Schneider had a surprisingly light-hearted reaction to seeing DK Metcalf play in the NBA All-Star Game. We had just got done with meetings, and uh, we took a couple guys across the street to grab a beer uh, before we you know, went back to the, the hotel room. And uh, yeah, I saw him running around. I was like, holy smokes. Now, he, was, he, was, he was doing great. I, mean, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, is that real? And I think I was the last person to know about it. But So I was... To know that he was I, playing? Yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know what it was, and so... I just sent him a text and was like, hey, great job in the game, but you were dunking on people like my height and stuff. <laughs> That's pretty funny, but how did, how does he not know that DK's playing in that? Uh, he's got a lot on his mind, I guess. I didn't know, but, you know, you, you I'm not the GM for the Seahawks, so yeah. I don't know if he is oh, – I think he has to – there's so much information now that you have to kind of focus yourself on, okay, this is what I'm going to pay attention to. Right. And this is what I'm not going to pay attention to. I don't think he looks at Twitter or any of that kind of stuff. So, But uh, I think it was the whole thing that was funny to me is that you just wanted to get a shot in yeah. at DK, which kind of speaks to their their relationship, right? Yeah, that he could text him, nice yeah. job dunking on somebody my height. Right. <laughs> <laughs> John, not an especially tall guy. Sweeping the dial. After all the drama of the darkness retreat, ESPN's Jeff Darlington thinks Aaron Rodgers will end up staying in Green Bay. The first of which is a conversation I had with a very important Green Bay Packers source who quite honestly believes that Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers and that all of this is being overhyped. He looks Mm. at the contract that Aaron Rodgers signed last year, the commitment that he gave to the team, and believes that at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers will be back with the Packers. 
I, I don't know what to think about this day because I was I was doing a bunch of reading last night and looking at different stories about this, and there was one that was written. What's the date today? The day is the twenty uh, fourth. Twenty fourth. It was written seven days ago, and I'm trying to remember who wrote it. It might it might have been uh, somebody on NFL.com, but basically saying that their sources were telling them that the Packers are fed up with them. They're fed up. They are. They're all in on Jordan Love. They're ready to go. They want to turn the page. Blah blah blah. And then you hear this, like, yeah, essentially, it's he's going to go back, and everybody's going to be at peace. And I, I don't know what's true. I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere in between. But it's, it's, it's two very extreme opinions that are exactly opposite. I think the interesting part was that Aaron Rodgers said, you know, I don't know where the, all the hype's coming from, but aren't you part of that? Yes. I mean, he's, he's doing a weekly hit with McAfee. Yeah, McAfee. I don't get. I, I get the tone of his podcast is somewhat controversial and you know telling stories about you know things that nobody else has heard about wearing cool tank tops oh god it's just tragic (laughs) whatever that is time we see it yeah or like a cutoff shirt or something but yeah i think aaron Rodgers enjoys all of that but you know maybe he's really highly intelligent and he's just sitting back kind of manipulating people trying to get him to to bite and he enjoys that that kind of thing Sweeping the dial. Maybe it's just draft season rumors, but Lewis Riddick can't believe people are even talking about trading Justin Fields. Is there something about Justin Fields that the people who have kind of taken this whole thing and just kind of turbocharged it, that they know that I don't know about Justin Fields, that people are saying, you know what, we need to move on from him because he's never going to realize his potential and Bryce Young is the answer. Because remember, at one point in time during the regular season, it was Luke Getzey's the problem. You're running him too much. You're not letting him throw it and develop his and throw, develop his throwing acumen. It was get this offensive coordinator the hell out of here. Before that, it was get Matt Nagy the hell out of here. The, these guys don't know what to do. Now it's let's get Justin Fields out of here and let's just get a new quarterback. It's like it doesn't like make this make sense to me. Yeah, it's it's that's another another quarterback rumors that they're going to trade him. He's going to land here, and the Bears are going to do this. I mean, we talked about the lack of rumors around Geno, but he's another one that people are talking about. I don't. I don't know if he's going to be great. He's a great runner right now. I mean, he ran for 1,143 yards, had eight rushing touchdowns this past season. But as a passer, he was 60.4% completion percentage, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. And he threw for 2,200 yards. Yeah. Those aren't electric numbers, and I know it's only his second season. Well, first season was really not good. They're not asking him to throw, though, right? I mean, Uh, 318 attempts. His attempts are, you know, 270 his first year and in the second year. And Gino was at like 555, something like that. So, yeah, they're not they're not asking him. He's double cursed, ladies and gentlemen, because he went to Ohio State. Ohio State quarterbacks never make it in the NFL. And then he's playing for the Chicago Bears, who have not had good numbers from their quarterback position ever. But I think, you know, it's funny that that draft, Justin Fields, Trey Lance falls into that category too of two guys that were supposed to be you know really something and maybe they're going the geno smith route i don't know but it's it's not really it hasn't been impressive for for either one of those guys that were picked in the top 10 yeah you look at him his career completion percentage is 59.7 24 touchdowns 21 picks and he's thrown for a total of 4,112 yards. Well, and that was, and they have the first pick in the draft, right? Yeah. So that was the the Chicago Bears do. Um, yeah. There was some there was some kind of rumors about Justin Fields being on the trading block and everything, and so, you know, that's kind of translates into maybe good news for the Seahawks. 
that those top five picks, maybe somebody's going to want to trade up there to get a quarterback so. that's available, hopefully. I'd like to see the somehow the Cardinals be removed from the equation because every mock I look at essentially has them going with Jalen Carter with the third overall yeah. pick. They're the ones that are in the way, Dave. Cardinals are in the way. Uh, that would be aggravating if they were the ones that got the guy that you, you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want it in the division, that's for sure. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what goes on. And Fields, again, a very impressive runner. Uh, but is he going to be a guy that they, they develop into a, a strong quarterback all around? Not just a running quarterback, but a guy who can pass if they shut down his ability to run. This dude is the size of a linebacker. You looked at it. I mean, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. Yeah. I mean, this guy, is good. he can run, but... You know, I, I just you don't go very far with a running quarterback. All right, there you go. Coming up, we are keeping the Seahawks alumni series going with another good one. Kurt Warner is going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.